Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who are the legends that are living? Living Legends is the name of this episode. It's Derek Speaks Volumes. Derek G Speaks Volumes. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sending all your messages. You guys are the best. I still can't believe that people listen to my ramblings, but hey, I'll be completely honest. They're not just complete ramblings. I do think about these things. I do plan these things. I think earlier episodes, I did not (laughs) as much. It was very much on the fly. And I realized the shortcomings of that because I tended to uh, go a bit off piste a little bit, but hope you are well. It's, uh, I, in, in weeks gone past, I've recorded up to three weeks in advance and I felt very, very happy with myself. And now I'm recording (laughs) right up to the minute, which makes it feel more reactive and live, but also more stressful because if I don't find time to do it, then I'm going to find time to do it at the last minute. But anyway, that is by the by. Hello. Hope you're well. And let's get started with this episode. It's called Living Legends. And now, I think that's very obvious to say, but I want to add a little nuance to this because I want to explore people that are potentially going to be considered important in music, but I don't want to just mention people who are obvious. Who is obvious? Uh, Let's say Kanye West, for example. Or let's go with something a bit more uh, like left of center, but still somewhat obvious, like FKA Twigs. Um, I think some some people in here I'm going to mention are obvious in the sense it's like, well, yeah, of course. But I think I want to break down why these people, I think, have had more of an impact than many people necessarily talk about. And... I don't know. Also, I thought I thought it was a different type of episode and theme for me to experiment on. I'd like to surprise you with some of my selections potentially as well. So I think that the way you should think about this is I think each each of these people that I'm going to mention could almost be their own podcast. I could almost make a separate podcast called Living Legends and or not that it's a terrible name and then do a whole episode. But ah, I don't know. Those might be too drawn out. And that would require research. And that would require me to research. And that is not something that I (laughs) am willing to do at this point in time. So that is the theme of the episode. So let's dig in. And I'm going to, I want to start with the, the more surprising ones first. Living legend number one, Peggy Goo. I know, right? You're, I, I'm sure the people that might know Peggy Goo might be like, what? Perhaps, 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 or maybe you agree with me. If you don't know who Peggy Goo is, she is a South Korean DJ who lives in Berlin, who has been uh, rising up in the scene for the last, I want to say eight years. And uh, last time I checked, had 2.2 million followers on Instagram. If you check, if you compare that to say 
young Mr. Fred again, who last time I checked had 1.2 million. He's going to pass it soon, I'm sure. But, you know, she she's big. And she is a DJ. She is a producer. She has music out. She has uh, put music out with Oh Hyok um, from Hyoko. Uh, she has, I think she's put, has she put out on Ninja Tune, I want to say as well, maybe. Uh, she she sings in Korean. She plays Acid House. Now, she is by no means a chart topper. She's by no means someone that's been in any charts, I think. Uh, and I think from an outsider's perspective, why is she popular? Well, no, no, no. This, this, this speaks to my argument. Let's just dig into the argument. I think she's a living legend because she represents a a turning point for what it means to uh, be a artist and DJ in music because there has been a lot of criticisms and I think a lot of that has to do with being a woman coming her way because she's attractive, because she uh, seemed to come out of nowhere and... Uh, not in that Fred again sense, but just kind of she grew really quickly on socials and people just thought, oh, well, I hear she doesn't produce her own tracks. I hear this. I hear that, uh, which is all very unfortunate. And and being attractive doesn't help, <laughs> well, you know, the criticism. But I think she's she's a living legend because she she was able to basically retake upon the responsibility of the new age of what it means to promote yourself and be a DJ. So she fully embraced social media and knows that she is, I guess in many ways to simplify it, the I want to say the first big influencer DJ. Now, I don't like to call myself an influencer, but I have hundreds of thousands of followers. So like influencer is a term I use as a person who has a lot of following and not everyone knows that this person, what they do. They just like the the content that they provide. So she is very frequent with her content creation. She has people in her team that are... that are engaged in this content creation is in there. They take photos of her. They are side of stage at her performances and they film the crowd and they film, uh, you know, she has also interacted with her community. And so this is where people like content creators, influencers, they think about their community. They don't think about their, DJs think don't think about their audience, right? DJs in the past, they would play a show, they would get a promoter, they would put up the poster on their socials. Before that, the poster and the promotion would have to be, before social media, the, the promotion would have to do everything. And you would just go by word of mouth. You'd go by the music you'd put out. You'd go by maybe a DJ set that was streaming. This is like, you know, this is still in the time of social media, but that's what DJs had to do. Peggy Goo kind of foregoes the need for a DJ. Sorry, not for a DJ, for a, for a promoter because she has a community. So you're filming people on your in, in the crowd, holding up stuff, 
requests, little memes, gags, and she's sharing that on her socials. She has people that just play into her name, Peggy Goo, and they called her Peggy Shoe, and then she started to share that and thought it was funny, and then she made merch out of it. She's she's very much an influencer, content creator, DJ, but maybe, or not maybe, but DJ first. So she is important because I think people would go, well, she's just pretty and she's therefore popular on Instagram. That's not not true, but it's not entirely true. It's not like even 50%, I think. It's because she she knows how the game works and she knows what gets attention and she knows, and not an attention in a way where it's like, if you want more attention, you'd be doing like barely barely clothed shots. She's not doing that. She's she's frequent. She's providing quality imagery of her that shows her personality. She's providing, uh, she talks to camera well. She's providing great stories that are all original and not just reshares of things. She's, she's, providing a way that people can feel an, an attachment to her whereas DJs mostly it's like hey guys I'm playing at sub club see you there and then people turn up and they're like cool which is great and I don't diss that at all but Peggy Goo has DJs in the past outside of like Tiestos of the world DJs that play music like hers don't get that popular so yeah Peggy Goo I think she's she is more important than people realize in terms of how she has moved uh, or changed or made people uh, change the idea of, of DJing and, and promotion and uh, uh, influence. Uh, she, also, her music's good. It's, it's, it's good. It's fine. It's like not groundbreaking, but I think it helps to put out, definitely helps to put out your own music. It gives you credibility. Uh, her DJ sets, I think, are a lot more headsy than you would think. I think a lot of people go to see Peggy Goo because they want to see Peggy Goo. I certainly know so many people that would be like, I want to see Peggy Goo. It's like if you, I listen to her sets and have listened to multiple of her sets and ah, it's, uh, it's not even like, oh, it's not for me like because it's like uh, EDM. It's just like, it's acid house. It, like I think you have to be in the room to really be in, you know, a bit of a vibe and a bit of a trance to really get into it because if you're kind of listening to your desk, it doesn't do enough for me. But to kind of move the needle and just sell out shows around the world and be the headliner at festivals, playing music like that is, and have like 10 songs out, less, I would say, is very impressive. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Number two is actually sticking with DJs is of the living legends. Number two, this is not ranked. Just saying the second person I want to talk about is David Guetta. Guetta, Guetta. Yeah, I know, right? A, a friend said this to me the other day. This is where he said that the last great French producer, electronic producer 
I don't know if that's true, but I guess what they're saying is like, you know, there's there's a whole era of, of French dance music, electronic music from Daft Punk to Justice to to David. David it doesn't sound very French. Um, and yeah, why do I want to bring him up? Because I think that we all know his name. I think all of us, perhaps if you listen to my podcast, we all think of him as like cringe and corny and, and all that. But David Guetta had, what, a 10-year span? We, I feel like he was on every major record that was like massive for, for that period of time. And it, it's, it's not to be understated. I, it's, is it music that I listen to? Definitely not. Does that matter? No. Is he basically like Ed Sheeran? Um, except a DJ, uh, more than definitely. And like when you perhaps, uh, because, you know, if I hate looking at Spotify streaming numbers, right? Because I think that it's, you know, it's, it's one platform. There's also Deezer and Apple Music and Tidal and all those others. So it doesn't mean that like, especially now I'm getting into a little bit of a, <laughs> a rabbit hole, but especially if you judge it, like not every territory listens to Spotify. So if you look at it and go, oh, these people are tiny, but then they're massive in, you know, Brazil. Maybe people aren't listening to Spotify and therefore they're not um, showing the popularity. Anyway, anyway, if I go by this, this Spotify logic, David Guetta probably doesn't get shown as accurately as he could in terms of his streaming numbers because sure i don't know i i haven't looked it up recently but i'm guessing he's in the like 20 to 30 million streams a month on spotify type artist and that's for his work where he's a featured artist on it say he wrote um uh was it i got a feeling he produced i got a feeling with with uh the black eyed peas, then that's going to show up as that's not going to show up in his streaming numbers. And if you compiled all those producer tracks, then arguably he'd be the biggest artist in the world potentially. So what well, let's let, let me summarize. He has, because I looked up, I did some research for this. He's done 10 billion streams. I feel like that's like probably for I, what? Where's that number come from? What does that constitute or, or combine? Not sure, but that's what he's done. Sixty-five million single sales. That's like multiple countries. Uh, some songs that he's written: "When Love Takes Over," "Titanium," "Sia," "I Got a Feeling." You know, he's worked with everyone from yeah, Sia to Rihanna to the biggest rappers and really has a whole decade to show of it where his sound and influence was the sound of pop music. And I think uh, a small footnote, or not footnote, but an extra thought on it is that I think that when I watched Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, I forgot how many electronic EDM, electronic dance music tracks she had as hits, uh, whereby 
if like working with David Guetta, I feel like artists in that kind of 2012 era knew that if you wanted like to be the biggest artist and and radio person in the world, you needed one of those tracks, one of those big soaring David Guetta tracks. And I'm sure that other artists made them and they tried to make it in a similar style, but there's only one David Guetta. So I think that why I mention him and why I want to mention him on this podcast is because I think that he's kind of not as respected as some of the other people you would hear about in music criticism and, and whatever you call what I do, commentary, because he's not cool. He doesn't make cool music. He doesn't make music that is potentially, uh, you know, he doesn't make classic albums and things like that, but he has influenced more people in the world than most artists in the world. And that's saying a lot. So, hey, go listen to some Dave Get after this. I won't. Next one, Mac DeMarco. I've wanted to do a Mac DeMarco podcast for a while, and maybe this is a little, a little example, a short preview to that. But I think Mac DeMarco, it's been written about before, so I feel like this isn't as original or special of a thought. But Mac DeMarco. I'm a big fan of Mac DeMarco, probably the first on the list. I like Peggy Goo, but I think really, I, I really like, really, really like Mac DeMarco. The first on the list that I'm really a fan of. I think Mac DeMarco is a living legend because he, for multiple reasons, let's start with the more superficial. I think he brought in this like, you know, normcore dad cap, dirty, <laughs> greasy, smelly, sensitive persona that hadn't existed in, in, in pop rock indie music. And I know that sounds quite rude, but I think that prior to him, indie music was still very, almost a little bit shiny. I know like if you can consider grunge and you consider that type of music, maybe you, you disagree with me. But I think that in indie music, you're still like uh, the Damien Rice's of the world, Elliot Smith's. And, and then this guy comes along singing sweet, sweet indie music. I, I would classify it as indie, indie pop, I guess. And he's like, he smokes, he gets naked on stage. He's like, but he he has this kind of sensitivity to him where he's like, talking about very vulnerable subjects on his on his in his music he's also like his first record he was wearing lipstick i think and that was the first thing that that grabbed me was his cover because it's like who's this lad you know maybe with a cap on with lipstick on and and it just kind of like it was a bit jarring and, and like I think he is, I don't know what his sexual preferences are. I think he's straight, but I think he he's the type of guy that doesn't care about, you know, the kind of labeling or, or representation of how he's seen or like he might kiss guys and just think it's funny or wear lipstick and... And and that was intriguing. And I think so he ushered in this this persona of, hey, you can kind of be this this guy that's just like kind of a bit gross, but is also a real romantic. And 
that's not the main reason for the living legend, but I think that he is a person that uh, I hadn't seen that before, and I don't think that it that everything after that was changed in that scene after Mac. But more importantly than that, it's his sound. It's his sound. Mac DeMarco's sound changed indie music because before he existed, no, no, no. Just let's talk about when he when he came up. His sound, he calls it slippery. And I like to think about this sort of stuff. It's a very clean sound, guitar sound specifically, when he says slippery. So this is as music head as I'm going to get, but... So he plays, you know, a very clean electric guitar in his early work. It had a very clean amplifier, so no distortion on it. And he had some reverb and he had some chorus on it. So it gave it this wobbly sound to it. Uh, And then he was playing jazz chords, but singing kind of love romantic ballads as well. And you combine all those things and it created a whole new sound. Really. I, th- I think it's hard because he's now, uh, you know, probably 10 years into his career to really recognize that. But I remember it at the time. It's like he came up, you're like, everyone was a fan of Mac DeMarco. And then suddenly the next generation who was like 17, 18, 16 even would be coming through. And you're like, this is Mac's sound. It doesn't sound like Mac because I don't think anyone was trying to do it as like cute or romantic as him, but it was definitely like that slippery guitar sound, that warbly sound. So who could I, who could I give examples of everyone from Conan Conan Moccasin to some Idris stuff, to some Claro stuff, to Biba Doobie, to uh, there's a whole raft of the next wave of indie musicians that took that sound and ran with it. Steve Lacey, I would put in that bucket as well, because I think Mac was like 20, early 2010s, maybe 2011, 12. Um, and then Steve started to come out with what was it called? Red Wine in like 2016, maybe, maybe 2017. So there's a, you know, there's clearly a, a gap and there's some influence. And uh, outs- I, I think also he is a bit of a, I don't know if he's a, a, a Japanophile, but he clearly has spoke about his fandom of Harumi Hosono, Harumi Hosono. He has done a cover of Hiroshi Sato, uh, Hiroshi Sato's This Boy. Um, he's He also represents the generation that is, especially with streetwear and, and Nigo and that sort of thing. I think a lot of us, and probably if you're listening to my podcast, a lot of us really admire Japanese style, fashion, and, and are intrigued by the music. And I think that he was someone that kind of brought that into the conversation of indie music as well and and brought it into the narrative that is him. 
So Mac DeMarco is is going to be really important. I hope that he gets celebrated for the the changes that he influenced in indie music. I think he will, but I think that as time goes by and as I've lived through it, more artists that are similar to him have come out. And so what what is the, you know, him being the origin of that sound is now stirred up into all these other artists and you're like, oh, this is just a sound that existed in this time, you know? Uh, lastly, I think he uh, he talks about Frank Sinatra and um, clearly that romantic kind of swing sound. And I think that he that that element is very original to him. I don't think anyone else has that. It's not that he sounds like Sinatra or anything else, but there's a way that he delivers his music that is very, it sounds like it could be from 2015, also it could sound like it could be, you know, some he's got like an old soul that he's from the 1950s or something like that. So big fan, big fan, big fan. Next one, Taylor Swift. I know, right? I know, right? Are you surprised? Now, one day I'm going to do a podcast on um, not having to like everything. Because uh, if you listen to, if you've listened to every podcast of mine, I usually use Taylor Swift as an example of uh, music that I don't like. <laughs> in this, in so much as I am not a fan of doesn't mean that I think that uh, I don't poo-poo on her because she clearly connects with millions of people and it's just not for me. But I use her as an example of when I don't get into something as to why. So I feel bad. She's a bit of a scapegoat. And there is no reason for that because I it's impossible to like everything, right? That is something I'll talk about one day. Uh, but I think she is a living legend because the impact that she has had and will continue to have and may continue to have in a very significant way on the music industry is unlike anything else that I've ever seen before. And so obviously, if you don't know, Obviously, if you don't know, haha. If you don't know, she, her masters were sold and it wasn't inquired whether she wanted to buy them and it got bought by Scooter Braun. And I think it might have been sold on to someone else after that because of the bad juju that surrounded it and all the hate that he got from it. And so she went on to, is still in the process of recording, re recording her albums and, and, telling her fan base to not listen to those albums because that, that revenue is going to someone else and to listen to these albums. Revolutionary. Like, really, really, who's who does that? Like, I haven't listened to them like for like, um, but I think it's such a – she's educated her audience about ownership of music, of masters, of independence or, or, or copyright. And they are supporting that. So I've made videos where I've mentioned Taylor Swift. And um, I, it was a video where I talked about um, album cover, album covers, albums that are known for their color, like the white album or the black album. And I was wondering if the red album by, or red by Taylor Swift counted because it wasn't a red cover. It was just called red. Anyway, I just said that. And people were like, you use the wrong cover in your graphic you should be using the new one you know that's 
you know, you're, you're helping these people. It's like, wow, you've really educated people in like music rights and royalties and <laughs> streaming income. Insane. But they do that as a passion, as part of their fandom for her. And obviously, also, she, uh, she broke the internet with her latest tour and everything going on sale at once and absolutely destroying people's dreams of seeing her. But I think that, and she also has built this like universe and world whereby rumors and, and uh, I guess the folklore haha, or the world that she builds is so rich and deep with all these Easter eggs that she is a content creation machine that is very similar to K-pop in a sense because she's leaving so much for her audience to pick apart and build into this whole world and narrative that I haven't seen outside of K-pop really because someone like Harry Styles, for instance, is kind of straight up and down. It's like, this is the music and I'm going to perform for you. Whereas like Taylor, there's this whole like almost universe happening in the background, but that's less what I'm interested in. I'm more interested in the music rights management of her. And I, I, I still have this theory that one day uh, the biggest artists or multiple biggest artists will decide to take their music off the major streaming platforms and maybe start another one on their own. I dream for that to happen, not because I want the rights to go in the hands of the, the artists. I just think it would be like so disruptive. And I don't know if it's some, some music lawyer which should tell me, but I don't know if it's impossible. I think that'd be crazy. Imagine if Taylor Swift and Drake were like, and one other person, David Guetta, Ed Sheeran. And, and they were like, yo, we're pulling it all off here. We're going to our new platform. Everyone else join and take yours off <laughs> other streaming platform. Wild. And I think she has the power to do it. And I think her fan base has the power to, to, to believe in it as well. So I think where she is a living legend is because she is a really, she, her team, who knows, is a really savvy businesswoman that is uh knows how to 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 will her business into the being the most uh relentless success in modern times for a for a pop artist next one how long have i been speaking for i don't want to ramble too much and i am rambling dean blunt now when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've always thought to myself, because sometimes I, I, I do weekly live streams on TikTok and I have people always go, have you listened to the new Dean Blunt? Have you listened to the new Dean Blunt? Of course I have. But I, I've always thought Dean Blunt is one of those artists I will never do a TikTok about because he is so anti-industry 
that if I made a video going, hey, you need to hear about Dean Blunt. Did, I, did you know about Dean? I feel like somehow the, the kind of like credible music gods. <laughs> Jesus, what am I saying? I sound so, I sound ill. I just think that the, the, it, it, there's certain things that it's just like, it's not even gatekeeping. I just think that it's the opposite of what the artist wants. So I don't go there. Who is Dean Blunt? Not everyone knows who Dean Blunt is. Dean Blunt is a uh, British Londoner, not a British Londoner, comma, a Londoner, who has been around for 10, 15 years now. He is a rapper and producer, but is an artist. And why I think he's a living legend is because I think that he is one of the true, true in the kind of like almost visual art sense, like he's a true artist where he's doing it for the sake of the music and nothing else. So I don't believe he has a social media presence. He's got a label called World Music. Uh, previously has released screenplays along with his uh, music, often puts it up on places like Mediafire still to this day. Uh, he has... If, if you want a, 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 a kind of glimpse into his sound, it is a bit uh, spoken wordish almost with the, the, the most uh, inventive beats. There's a song where he just raps over a, a David Bowie sample uh, and it's just looped like a, a loop of a five second part of the song with no other beat, no drums, no nothing. Uh, but it's cool as hell. Cool as hell. And and I don't know. I don't know where to start with him in terms of his discography. It's so vast. He also was in a group called Hype Williams. He was also his alter ego called Baby Father. But all of this, right? Okay, Derek, he sounds great. He sounds obscure. He sounds like he doesn't care too much about promotion. But he has songs that feature, you know, the biggest American rappers, Future, ASAP Rocky, Nicki Minaj. That's just like, it just, it's just in his tracks and there's no like feature. There's no credit. They, I'm, I'm sure they don't get, I don't, I'm not sure. I was going to say, I'm sure they don't get royalties for it. But it's one of those things. It's like these rappers and everyone else, I think, that's like deep into music just thinks Dean Blunt is as cool as hell and uh, is very much one of those people that probably will, he might stop, who knows, but then he will be like an Arthur Russell type character perhaps where it's like, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, you don't need to know, but he was just like ahead of his time. He was so cool. Everyone thought he was incredible, but you'd never heard his name before type guy. So I will never make a video about him. I'd like people to know about him, but I also don't want people to know about him because I don't think that's what he wants. <laughs> so this is as public and as vocal I'm going to get about <laughs> Mr. Blunt, being blunt about Mr. Blunt. <laughs> So, 
Let's go, how many more? I could keep talking for so many people. A few more. Let's go two more. Azalea Banks. Azalea Banks falls into an interesting category, which you could kind of lump her into a multitude of persons, and I will in a second, but let's start with her. Azalea Banks, you might know for her track 212 uh, or 1991, I think I want to call it. Was that the song? 2012, 2012 seems to be a very important year in music. The biggest like EDM tracks throughout the David Guetta era. Uh, and Azalea Banks is mostly known for her uh, social media antics, trolling, um, you know, calling people out, uh, getting into very sticky situations. It's uh, quite a controversial person but why i think she's a living legend is because she put out those two songs in particular in particular that i think influenced the next 10 years of r&b soul artists and still there are artists coming out these days trying to sound like those two tracks and she's put out a lot of music since but I don't think anything has come close to the significance of it. I just, what is it about that music? So if you don't, I say, I think I feel like I say this a lot. A lot. If you don't know Azalea Banks, not, okay, not Iggy Azalea. I think that's where I might be worrying some people. <laughs> also, if you made it this far and you're somewhere where you can write comments, please let me know who you think is a living legend. There's, there's so many. And I'm not, you know, and I would love to hear your thoughts. The more curveball-y ones or the ones that are like not major superstars. Um, Iggy, Iggy Azalea is the one that did that song with Charlie XCX and the way they in that high school music video. And like Iggy Azalea was like the biggest track of the year. Fancy, right? I'm so fancy. Is that the one? And then just lost all credibility altogether. Anyway, not her. Azalea Banks. Azalea Banks, basically, it was like um, R&B mixed with uh, house, mixed with uh, a disclosure type sounds. And that's this is where I start to mix things in because at a very similar time, Disclosure, Catronada, Catronada, uh, you know, North American, as as Ellie as Banks, uh, is they both ushered in a new sound to American pop house music uh, because it was more vocal. I think there's an element of of, of post disco, eighties R and B to it as well. And it was just really, really fresh. It sounded like something out of the future, which was like it had attitude, it had rapping in it. Maybe that's what it is. It was like rapping house, you know, electronic danceable R&B. And, and to this day, there are artists, let's take an example like TK Meister, you know, that, that it's like you can tell where the lineage comes from and it all stems from that track, two tracks, ostensibly. 
I think um, I think a lot about in a very similar vein at a very similar time. Uh, Sky Ferreira put out "Everything Is Embarrassing," produced by Dev Hines. It's like these these artists that are not household names or not even close, but put out these important important music, these important songs that completely not completely but I, I guess get more forgotten in the narrative of popular music because they didn't have a long career uh azalea's still performing sky i think has does bits here and there but has mostly fallen off because of various issues she's had in her personal life uh but is significant i think I think the cover, of, I can't remember the na- name of the album, Sky Ferreira, or the album cover of, the, of that time. One of the greatest, al- my favorite, one of my favorite album covers. Anyway, so Azalea Banks, I think when you have an artist that puts out two tracks that influence a whole generation, I think you deserve to be in there. Don't you? The last one is is another producer, and that is The Dream. The Dream is someone that was nominated for Songwriter of the Year for a Grammy this year, the first Songwriter of the Year category. And, like, you know, the, he should have won the awards for many years in the past because he's written Umbrella, Single Ladies, All of the Lights, Ultralight Beam, Break My Soul, Cuff It, No Church in the Wild, co written. Just to name a few. Just to name a few. Come on. And I think that the dream is a living legend because it's one of those people that have remained relevant for 20 plus years and is so important to so many eras of music, but yet does not, isn't known. If you asked 100 people, five would say just random people five would know the dream but i love that name too the artist name the dream i think that is one of the most iconic songwriters ever you know in the in the categories of r&b soul and pop and hip-hop are you kidding me is there's there's not many like the dream, but there's not a focus on these songwriters because it's always about the artists. And hey, you sign up for that. I'm sure he he walks away with a lot of royalties from all the work that he's done over the years. I'm sure he's a very happy individual and and I liked the dream solo work as well. So I think that that's worth checking out also. But I think the dream is someone that really is one of the more low-key names that I wish was written more about in in pop culture. But uh, he will have his day one day, I hope. One day they should put out a compilation of the best dream records. And look, look I guess why I left the dream to last because it's like, well, it's pretty obvious. I don't need to say much else about him. It's like, you know, from Umbrella to Cuff It, that's like 20 years right there. And he's still making the biggest hits. <laughs> which is insanity to me. So there you go. The first edition of Living Legends. I think I'll do another 
another time because I think that you could really go into so many artists. I had Skrillex on the list, but, you know, maybe I'll say that for another time. I think someone said to me that they liked the objectivity that I have. And look, are you know, or if you listen to this song, you know what, what artists I like. But yeah, I like to kind of look at it from a, a bit of a higher view of like what has influenced people, society, culture, and not just me. So yeah, stuff like Skrillex is interesting to me. But I could do many, many more. Let me know who you think uh, should be in this category, in, in Derek G's category of living legends. Let's talk appendix. I have, how many appendix? Pendai do I have? I think just one. I did a press shoot this week uh, because people asked me for, for press photos and I don't have any because I'm a guy that makes videos for the internet. So I asked a friend named Elle, who is a very multi-talented, go to my Instagram, you can find her handle there. She's uh, for, primarily a stylist, also like uh, like an uh, interior stylist, I guess, for shoots. Also a photographer and DJ and um, what's interesting about her is that, and also like, and I use this in a, a endearing term, an influencer as well. I think that what I liked about her is that I was looking for someone who wasn't a traditional photographer because I didn't want press shots when I'm looking all like, I'm cool. I've got my, I'm holding my headphones. I'm holding a record. <laughs> Like it's, I, I, I like things that are a bit more interesting and, and a bit more imaginative. And sure, like, so I'm, I'm posting these on my Instagram, but so you can see them there. But you know, the the ones like I'm looking out a window and looking through the window, looking at the camera, like it just it feels more editorial. But it's like I just can't I can't do a press shot where I'm standing against the white background laughing with my arms crossed or something like that. It's just not my thing. So I'm really proud of it. I think they're really nice. And look, they're for for promotional. If people want to put talk about me in articles, if people want to put me in proposals, have at it. Those are my press shots. But that was fun because it's. I wanted to talk a bit about why I. I, I my press shots might look how they do as if you see them on my socials because I just think press shots are lame, but you need them. And at this point in my life, I've got to, I've got to get, ask someone to do it and figure out how to, you know, what the concept is and all that sort of thing. So yeah, that's all. It was fun to do. I don't like photos being taken of myself, but if, if you're with a friend and someone you trust, it's a lot easier, I feel. This has been Derek G Speaks Volumes, a longer one. I didn't think I'd be speaking for this long. It's, they're getting longer, guys. Do you mind? Do you mind? Until next week, thank you for all your comments, your likes, your stars, all of that. I'm still climbing the charts. And uh, I'm actually so thrilled to see that. I will see you next week. Bye.